Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Trump won big and Biden won big in Michigan, but each side is claiming the other side's not 100% victory is a show of super vulnerability, but their person's not 100% victory is a solid something or other. They're both dumb narratives, and we can explain that later, so stay tuned. Excellent. De-dumbifying the political discussion. Armstrong and Getty. Well, here's a quick tease you'll enjoy. Okay. Do you realize yeah. Hillary trounced Obama into April and May in a bunch of states? How did he do in terms of pulling the Democratic Party together after that? Shut up with this crap. Wow, that's good. Uh, so I don't know if you've been following the whole Trump being prosecuted in Georgia dealio with the election interference. He's got 18 or 19 co-defendants, and it's all being prosecuted by the lovely and talented Fonnie Willis, the uh, district attorney or county attorney, whatever she is in Fulton County. Well, as it turns out, and, and if there's, I will skip to the significance, uh, such as there is, if there is any. If she gets booted off, it might delay the case for a while till after the election, which yeah. is likely anyway. I guess I don't know. This is this is just fun. This is this just is a soap fun. opera. This is a sexy fun soap stuff. opera. That's exactly what it is. So, turns out this gal, if you haven't been following it, has got this uh, this uh, the her man, her man on the side, 
They were both married, and they were having this hot, hot affair, and she hired him. They are both married. Wow. That's not good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they both were at the time, but it doesn't really matter. He certainly was. Um, But so they're having this hot, hot affair, and she hires him to be part of the prosecution of Trump and his co-defendants, and he and his firm get paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, like near a million dollars at this point. And with his newfound wealth, he takes her on expensive vacations. So it's a hot, tawdry, sexy, I scratch your back and you give me a bunch of money before I scratch your blah, blah, blah. So that's the, that's the, uh, the context. Well, the, uh, the defense attorneys have said, hey, this chick is, she's, she's tainted. She's in bed with this guy. This is all crazy. It's unethical and, and we need to get her removed. And her claim is under oath now. And here's where it becomes kind of significant. Uh, we didn't start knocking boots until after I hired him to be part of the prosecution. We did not have a relationship, a romantic relationship prior to that. And so. at, at that point, it would be okay. It'd just be their personal lives, right? And they hit it off while working together, right? And there's no quid pro quo or anything like that. And they happen to go on vacations together. But as she claimed hilariously last week, he paid her back 50, or she paid him back 50 50, everything they spent in cash with no receipts. Like so. we all do. Like we all do with our friends. We, we stay at hotels, we go on trips, and one of us pays for it, and the other one pays back with cash of <laughs> the other half. And we're talking thousands of dollars. Here's twelve grand in cash, Jim. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> thanks the, for uh, footing the entire bill the entire time instead of me paying while we went along for some reason. Well, I, I've actually done that on various like golf trips with buddies. Then I say, all right, it turned out to be X amount of money divided by four. All right, here's your share, blah, blah, blah. But nobody walks up to me with a suitcase full of cash like, you know, it's some abscam style bust of a crooked politician. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so that hearing is dragging on now. And the testimony yesterday was from a fellow by the name of Terrence Bradley, who's uh, Wade's divorce attorney. And they dragged him in. Uh, to say, to prove that Wade was having an affair with Fonnie Willis long before he got hired. And Terrence is trying to do right by his, his buddy slash client, but things get rocky. And we'll let Steve Harrigan pick up uh, from there in 51, Michael. They understand a visibly uncomfortable Bradley tried to back away from those texts. Me too. Before Nathan Wade was hired and before the sworn testimony of Willis and Wade, who said their relationship only began after Wade was hired. Today on the stand, a visibly uncomfortable Bradley tried to back away from those texts, saying he was only speculating at the time. Why in the heck would you speculate in this text message and say that it started when she left the DA's office and was a judge in South Fulton? Why would you speculate and say that in a text? I knew they had met um, at the municipal court um, conference. All right, let's uh, let's get a little more of the uh, the testimony. Next clip, Michael. Now, the first page starts off by saying, "Miss Merchant, like just date, don't hire him." Do you think it started before she hired him? You see that? So, yes, I see it. Yes. We turned that up a little bit so you could hear it under his breath. He looks at the evidence they put in front of him and says, dang. <laughs> so he didn't know texts of this existed or? Or didn't know they had them or something. Um, 
Let's uh, let's go with 54, Michael. Mr. Bradley, when you spoke, when you communicated with Ms. Merchant, did you tell her any lies about Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis's relationship? Did I lie to Ms. That's a simple I mean, question, Mr. Bradley. You're a lawyer. Did you lie to Miss Merchant when you told her facts about Mr. Wade and Miss Willis's relationship? Not that I recall. I, I don't recall. Um... <laughs> I mentioned earlier that I speculated on some things. Um, I've testified to what I did know, uh, so I, I, I can't recall whether or not I... No. Wow. He, he can't even... He got halfway there. I can't recall if I lied. Oh, I better not say that. Um, um, I got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. so. I don't. I don't know all the context of all this because I haven't been following that closely. But I mean, was that part of the legal stuff? I mean, because you're in a tough situation if you're like kind of friends with somebody and somebody's asking if they are in a romantic relationship and how long ago while they were married. Am I supposed to like divulge this or not, or is this any of your business or? Miss Merchant, by the way, I should have explained, is one of Trump's co-defendant's uh, attorneys who was, like, taking uh, testimony on this question. One more clip, Michael. 55. As a normal course of your relationships with your friends, do you pass on lies about your friends? About their sex lives, man. Have I passed on a lie about a friend? Is that what you're asking? Is that something you normally do, Mr. Bradley? Do you tell lies about your friends? I... Have I told lies about friends? I, I could have. I don't know. Do you tell lies about your friends about a case of national importance? Objection. That's took overall. I could have. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I heard your indignation. Do I tell lies about the sex lives of my friends? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But no, no, no. He's doing the opposite. He's going around texting everybody, stating affirmatively that, oh, yeah, those two are together. Two years prior to when they say they were, mm. it's it, there's just just not even any question. It's just it's funny to hear a lawyer, and he doesn't sound like a great one, uh, just completely caught with his pants down, ironically, um, and just unable to figure out. I, I, you know, I can't even think of a lie right now. You know, I'm surprised this hasn't happened yet or didn't happen yesterday. It will happen soon. Anytime you're grabbing texts, why doesn't somebody say I never texted that? I don't know who created that text with AI or whatever, but I never texted that. Because, I mean, it's be so easy. I've seen it on Reddit, the the, the people's ability to make texts or inter, in, in interject them in between on a screen to change a conversation and have a screenshot. It's it's pretty effortless if you have any skills. I don't, but... Yeah, if it were a jury trial, you could give that a try. But this mm -hmm. is a bench hearing, and and if the judge says to the phone company, "Is this authentic? It, it couldn't have been hacked," and they say, "Yeah," he'll say, "Okay, fine." Uh, but the but the only real significance of this, like you said, is this drags out the whole thing a little longer and pushes it past any conviction date past the election. So it doesn't matter to the presidential election anymore. 
You know, there might be a uh, an effect that's a little difficult to put your finger on, but it makes her look like a clown. True. It makes Fonnie Willis look like a Trump-targeting, unserious person right. in the way that Letitia James in New York should have been portrayed. Getting back For all to, of Trump's sins, that, that prosecution was absurd. Getting back to an earlier conversation about... Uh, the percentage of people out there that are low-information voters. You just don't follow this stuff as closely. You just kind of hear about it a little here and there. Well, you've kind of heard about this, so this whole Georgia thing, and she was having an affair and cheating and lying and stuff like that. And now the Stormy Daniels case is going to start in, what, March 25th? In a couple of weeks. And then that one's going to look like a joke. So you got a couple of other ones out there that are pretty significant and have, you know, some heft to them. The stuff around January 6th and obviously the classified documents one. But you've so muddied the waters with these two of just looking ridiculous as a political matter. Right, you haven't tainted the jury pool. You've tainted the public opinion pool. Yeah, which is the jury pool for who ought to be president. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It makes this look like just a ridiculous whatever. Whatever you think of the Jack Smith prosecutions, at least he seems like a serious man. The, the, the rest of these, Alvin Bragg, Letitia James, uh, Fonnie Willis, it's, uh, you know, it, it's terrible. F-A-N-I, Fonnie. Correct. I don't ever know anybody with that name. You'd have to ask her mother, I guess. You wouldn't want to go by Fanny. Colloquial term for your ass. I I guess. Probably. Uh, I guess not. I don't know. People did for a long time. They did, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. used to be a name. Huh. Was it not did people not return refer to a buttocks as a fanny back then? I think they may have. I don't know. But that's you know, it's because the number of women were named Fanny. I don't know. There's an old joke that I always enjoyed as a, a youngster that uh, guy gets to heaven. Uh, I'm sorry, three couples, they're on a uh, on a uh, vacation and their bus goes over the edge of a cliff or something and they show up to heaven. And uh, they get to the, the Golden Gate there, or the, the Pearly Gate, or whatever it is. The Golden Gate's a bridge. It's in California. Um, and uh, and St. Peter uh, gets the first guy and says, uh, I'm not going to let you in. You're greedy. You're so greedy, you married a woman named Penny. And uh, and the guy goes down to hell. And then the next guy shows up, and I can't remember what he says. Uh, whatever it does. Um, and then the third guy gets up there, and he says, I don't, I don't want to hear this. We're out of here, Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> So when I die, I'm going to show up at the toll booth at the Golden Gate Bridge? That's not what I was looking forward to. <laughs> That's exactly right. That was my point. <laughs> what was the second guy? You're so, you're such a glutton. You married a, I can't remember. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's not a very good joke anyway. Married a girl named Gravy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I love you, Gravy. Um, why the narratives out of uh, Michigan are dumb? Coming up. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone, it's Rashida. I was proud today to walk in and pull a Democratic ballot and vote uncommitted. We must protect our democracy. We must make sure that our government is about us, about the people. When 70 Four percent of Democrats in Michigan support a ceasefire, yet President Biden is not hearing us. This is the way we can use our democracy to say, listen, listen to Michigan. She had over 100,000 votes in Michigan on the Democrat side that didn't go for Biden um, because of that movement by Rashida Tlaib there and a number of other spokespeople who want a ceasefire. And don't like the genocide, their words, not mine, that we're helping perpetrate against the Palestinians there in Gaza. So, much is being made of that and how that could sway the election and uh, the... Fake uh, news! Yeah, the, w- one of the heads of that movement I saw on cable news this morning saying, oh no, we, we don't want Trump to win and we will, we will come home, we will vote for Biden when the election comes. We just wanted to send the message that this is very important to us, so... To me, that story is over, at least right. that angle of it. Well, and I saw some reportage. Who uses the term reportage? Anyway, I saw some of it <laughs> that said a couple of cycles ago, the Democrat got 11% uncommitted. And this time with the big movement, it was 13%. So right. whoopty crap. Right. And then on the other side, Trump won huge. What did it end up being? 60-30 or 65-35 or something like that. It was a lot. Something like that, yeah. Um, over Nikki Haley. And the arguments being made by Nikki Haley and all of the mainstream media that it shows a huge vulnerability for Trump. The fact that 35 to 40% of the Republican voters are not voting for him in the various contests is proof of blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay. Maybe what Mark Halpern makes the argument in his newsletter today that that is Trump derangement syndrome, looking to back to various contests where other people have gotten giant chunks of the vote. And then when one prevails, everybody falls in line to the politics that they more or less agree with. Using the best example of Barack Obama beating Hillary Clinton in 2008, Hillary Clinton was still winning contests 
She won a contest in May. <laughs> Not just did well, didn't mm-hmm. just get a chunk of the vote. Trump's winning every contest. Hillary was beating Obama in these states. Uh, beat him in Ohio, Rhode Island, and Texas in yes. March. Yes, yes. Hillary beat Obama in Pennsylvania in late April, and then in May, West Virginia and Kentucky. Hillary actually won. So the media is saying that Trump is deeply in danger after contests in which he is clearing 60% of the vote. Obama was losing elections to his party rival, and he won the general election easily. So... Wow. What, what, whatever. You know, you got to feel classic. You're down by four touchdowns with the announcers have to make it sound exciting. So people will stay tuned and watch the commercials. Well, some of it is that there's also a tremendous amount of hatred for Donald Trump in the mainstream right. media. So they, they, you know, they want it to be true. Also, I came across uh, uh, somebody talking about how Trump was uh, essentially an incumbent, a de facto incumbent. Um, and I thought, yeah, sort of. And then somebody shortly thereafter was talking about it. Now, for a contested primary, Trump is doing unbelievably well, whereas the other guy was saying, for a de facto incumbent, he's doing very poorly. Well, all right, let me be King Solomon over here. He's not exactly an incumbent, and it's not exactly not an incumbent situation. It's kind of in between, and looky here, look at the votes he's getting. It's in between. He's not getting the votes of an incumbent, and he's getting a hell of a lot more votes than a truly contested primary. So, duh. Yeah. Well, Trump and Biden are going to be the nominees. If it wasn't certain before last night, it's certain now. So, whatever. God gets a vote on Biden. Don't forget that. Yes, he does. Come on. Yeah. And the calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actuary table. Mm. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A group of students at a Beverly Hills middle school creating deep fake pornographic images of their classmates, swapping the faces of their peers onto pictures of nude bodies. The school alerting parents after the images were shared among students via text. Beverly Hills police are now assisting in the investigation. AI still so new, this all falls into a legal gray area. Experts say it's still unclear if the fake images are even child pornography. A federal bill aims to criminalize sharing sexually explicit deepfake photos, but it's stalled in Congress. There's no stopping that, is there? No, there's not. I think we just have to adapt to its presence and... I, I don't know. I, I suppose young women, and this is bold of me to say as a middle-aged guy, but young women just have to react to it like we react to getting an email or a text that says you suck. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm well aware of the fact that there are some people who don't dig the show. I don't care. Um, yeah, somebody produced a, uh, a, a nude woman with your face on her. Yeah, okay, that's fine. It happens all the time. I don't, I don't see any alternative. There's an article in the Washington Post the other day about how the porn industry is careening full speed into AI porn. There's no reason to hire people if you can generate it all. You know, I could type in, here's the sort of girl I like, I think is extra sexy. Here are the various circus acts I'd like them to perform. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Hit play, and, and there it is. Yeah, I saw a blurred version because this was on regular cable news of uh, a porn Featuring, it wasn't actually her, but uh, they had the face of Margot Robbie from Barbie. And it just, it, I mean, it was as convincing as convincing could be. Yeah. yeah. So why are they going to pay anybody ever? Anyway, um, tomorrow is Leap Day. Every four years, we get an extra day in February. One of God's quirks about how long it takes for the earth to go around the sun. I, I don't think it's God's fault. It's mankind for de- designing the calendar we did. We got a couple of texts. One, somebody's taking today, tomorrow off. No way the company's going to get an extra day of work out of me this year. I understand. Fight the power. Right. And uh, also this, which I thought was funny. Um, not realizing that this year has 366 days has thrown off my New Year's resolutions. Well calculated, like daily weight loss and hours spent exercising. I feel like quitting. Oh, yeah, I already did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is the way I feel about my New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Didn't make it out of February this year. Dang it. Hmm. That's okay. Renew. Make it a March resolution. Yeah. God, I'm on a bad roll with that sort of thing. Getting up or going to sleep or whatever. That's it. No more of whatever. Or I'm going to start whatever. And it's just not happening. I'm, I'm worse at it now than I've ever been in my life. I don't know what's going on. Well, I'd, if I had your lifestyle, I think I'd be jabbing heroin straight into my eyes. So um, I, I don't. I sympathize. I'm not going to judge you for having an extra burger now and again. Little yeah. little jack time. Little something. Tonight, little something, something. got a thing at the school for their introduction to the junior high years or something for next year because my youngest will be going off to junior high, and so I don't know what I don't know what all they're going to frighten us about to the the changes of junior high. I, it is different because my oldest son, man, you go when you that, that move to junior high, that's a whole new world. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, no kidding. And for young women, too. My goodness. I remember it well, raising two daughters, and we didn't have to deal with Instagram at the time. Oh, 
Crazy. Right. So every, speaking of pop- And yes. every kid having a cell phone. So where where did I hear? Oh, in junior high, I guess they allow cell phones. You can't have it in the classroom, but you can have it at school. And from what I understand, at, at lunchtime and after school, everybody pulls out their cell phone. So, and what we mean by cell phone, of course, in the modern world is is a computer. So you have a computer with internet access. So all these yeah. junior high kids have access to the internet. Not, not home, we're following the rules if you can't have it in your room and public place and all the things they advise for good reasons. But every kid's got a computer with the internet standing there in the playground? <sighs> nice. There are... Uh, a healthy handful of school districts that have banned smartphones from the moment you show up to the moment you leave. I'd be all for that. Where do I vote? It's been nothing but positive. Hell, nothing but positive. Hell yeah. It's a good, a great idea. It's obvious. Are you kidding? And we've talked about this before, but it's worth resetting. If I showed up to science class as a high school junior with a you know, 65-inch TV so I could watch the Cubs game or something... <laughs> They just said, uh, what What the hell do you think you're doing? Well, how about you show up with a 65-inch TV so you can watch hardcore pornography? Well, as a 14 year old putting Unless we were studying reproduction. Um, all right, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that we let the kids call. It's not a phone, okay? It's like, you know, if I were to take a good hold 10-pound AT&T phone and beat somebody to death with it, and for the rest of the time, the rest of history, people referred to it as a club. No, it's not a club. It's once in a great while it can be used as a club. It's a damn phone. Well, to call this a phone is hilarious. (laughs) It's a computer slash television. What is it primarily used for? You could even call it a reading device, I guess. But the one thing it ain't is a phone. Yeah. So what do you suppose is driving the idea for public schools that do allow the phones? Is it parents who desperately need to be able to get a hold of their kid or vice versa? There's that uh, neurotic uh, problem that uh, society as a whole has. Hell, I have it. If I forget my phone, I'm like, oh, no. no." But then I realize "Eh, it'll be fine. Uh, so you have that, yeah, and just I think there's a lack of appreciation for the obvious. It's not a damn phone. <laughs> but neither one of neither it's one an of entertainment my, center. Neither one of my kids have phones yet, but all their friends do, and so there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now we're now it's lunchtime, and you're doing. What is a 14 year old boy gonna do with the co- the computer and the internet? I mean, come on. Please. And I don't, I try to keep that out of my house. Why do I have to uh, expect it's going to happen at school? God, that's frustrating. We need to start calling them entertainment centers. And if you use yours for work, great. I do. But it's still an entertainment center. Uh, Speaking of pop culture and young people and that sort of thing, I just thought this was very funny. I don't know who this guy is, but um, it's uh, an article that posits the following. It's, he says it's slowly coming into focus that what most of us think of as Gen Z culture is just millennials writing trend pieces about themselves. What? Now, I'm not into the whole generation thing. I think most of it's silly, but millennials, millennials in particular were so over-scrutinized that entire global market movements are being blamed on their affinity for avocado toast or, right. or ending the bedspread or whatever the heck it's... <laughs> Their their loathing of mayonnaise. 
As they aged, this popular notion of the annoying young millennial hasn't gone away. It's a common complaint that even though most estimates, it's silly, it's it's not estimate, it's years. The oldest millennials are in their early 40s right now, I guess. They're still getting blamed for everything young people are doing. But there's a surprising amount of evidence that most Gen Z culture is just millennial culture. Almost half of TikTok users are over 30. The average Shine customer, or is it Sheen? It's that Chinese uh, cheap, quick fashion site, is 35 years old. More than half of Taylor Swift's fans are over 35. And one of Tamu's, one of Tamu's biggest demographics is moms. In the ultimate act of millennial narcissism, mar- narcissism, they are now just writing trend pieces about themselves and projecting it onto young people. I don't care about any of this. I thought it was a funny theory. Oh, I'm I'm happy to hear it. It helps me take in that information with a better base of understanding what it means. Okay. Well, I didn't know half of TikTok users are over 30. Yeah, you know what? I think this might be uh, worth posting at armstrongandgetty.com. It's kind of interesting. I feel like I should, uh, I've said this before, I feel like you should get TikTok on my phone and start looking at it regularly. That's where everybody's getting their news and everything else. Now, if you just access it through the web, as opposed to getting the app, do you get the full algorithm treatment or I not? Don't I don't know that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Hmm. I would be interested myself. What if you left it open? I'll bet it uses cookies and stuff. Maybe. I don't know. What is it going to feed me? Guy my age, my interests? A lot of World War II trivia? Sure. Sports scores. (laughs) Beard dies. (laughs) Exactly. Huh. Um... So what's... It doesn't matter, like you said, the generations thing. Uh, what's the one after millennial, though? The people right under 40, roughly Gen 42? Z. That's Gen Z. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, theoretically. Again, I find the whole conversation annoying. Yeah. Um, although, certainly, if it's a topic like social media and its effects on people, I realize it's it's reasonable shorthand to yeah, refer yeah, to the yeah. cohort, cohort of humans whose entire adolescence and adulthood has been during the smartphone era. That's useful. Yeah, exactly. And when you find out that Gen whatever... Because it's made them insane, yeah. When Generation whatever, which we learned the other day, that they, they half of them get their news from TikTok. Over half of them get their news from TikTok. I mean, that's something you need to be aware of. Because that influences everything. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe... Well, I can believe it. We're stupid. I was going to say, I can't believe we are a superpower that allows the competing superpower to pipe its propaganda into our child's brains because they have bribed our Congress whores, pardon the frank uh, terminology there, to shy away from any sort of control of, or ban of uh, TikTok. It's, it, as an historian, uh, uh, I, it's wild to watch. We have two presidents going to the border tomorrow. What that means and what that's about, among other things we can talk about. Also, we threw around this a little bit earlier. Do you have any funny ideas for what you should call a drink at a bar on on (laughs) Leap Day? Okay, here's a question for you. I love that topic. Come up with a clever Leap Day drink name. I refer to myself as 
an historian, only because Brits do that, because they pronounce it historian, I guess. But uh, what do I have to do to claim I'm a historian? If I, I mean, do I have to write a book? Do I have to be published? Do you have to have a degree of some sort? If I just say, damn, that Civil War was bloody. Is that enough? I don't know. Do you have to have at least a master's or something to call yourself a historian? Of course, we have guys sitting, serving in the U.S. Senate now that claim they fought in Vietnam, quite specifically, and they still have their gig. So, yes, I'm an historian. If you got a funny name for a drink at a bar on Leap Day tomorrow, Little Friday, what would it be? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Common sense tells you this. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, every one of them is aware that the largest migratory smuggling operation in the history of the world is operating right on the border of the United States. It's allowed six million people in. These people are aware of that, and they are aware that if they send somebody here with a fake document or with a document with the wrong name on it because they bought some passport somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, they're going to be able to get into the country and stay. It's impossible that we don't have some ISIS members, Al-Qaeda members, some Chinese spies, some some everybody, mm-hmm. uh, Iranian, who knows what, that have gotten in. It's impossible that we haven't. This is new. Bill Malouge on Fox repeating what the U.S. Border Patrol chief has told him. There have been over 120,000 known gotaways since October 1st. So that makes a total of 1.8 million known gotaways since the start of fiscal year 2021. Of course, we have no idea of the 
unknown. I mean, people that weren't encountered at all, encountered right. at all. You have no idea mm-hmm. what that number is. So the, the numbers are just absolutely overwhelming. You're going to have both President Trump and Joe Biden at the border. Yesterday, Trump's going to be at Eagle Pass. Border Patrol agents say they catch more illegal immigrants crossing near Eagle Pass, where Trump will visit in one day, than in Brownsville in a week, where Biden will visit. I, I don't care about that story. The whole going to the border thing is a stunt anyway. I mean, all the information you need about our border situation is available to you wherever you are on the planet. You don't need to go to the border to see it. I would, uh, my only counter argument is that if Biden were to show up to one of those places where people are just streaming across with impunity. Well, he has to avoid that. <laughs> and it was was uh, pictured watching that. That would be a powerful image. And, and uh, I mean, it's not like it would change his policy. If he, if he needs that to do what's right on the border, he's, he's morally and intellectually bankrupt. Uh, moving on to another angle of the whole border mess is the fact that uh, we regularly arrest illegals who have committed a crime and then let them go in a way that we wouldn't normally let maybe an American citizen go because you're trying to avoid them paying a price for being illegal. Anyway, Mary, Mayor Eric Adams of New York discussing that situation. I don't believe people who are violent in our city should have the privilege of being in our city. I want, I want to go back to the standards of the previous mayors who I believe subscribe to my belief that people who are suspected of, of committing uh, serious crimes in the city uh, should be held accountable. Yeah, and the city council is pushing back hard. So the mayor wants to do away with some of the sanctuary city protections they have, and he wants to do away with them because he thinks they're stupid because they are. And so do most of the voters in that town, but the city council, no, 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 absolutely not. We're a sanctuary city. They're going to stick by that at least until they all get voted out, probably, eventually. Uh, I was reading one of my favorite pundits saying, the media's breathtaking downplaying of the immigration stati- status of Lake and Riley's alleged killer is shocking. Or not shocking, depending on how you look at it. That's the Georgia college student that got violently murdered by an illegal who had been in custody in New York for different crimes, but let loose to avoid any uh, penalty for being here illegally. We all know that story. The New York... Yeah, her head was crushed by an illegal alien. Who we knew was a criminal. Right. Um, New York Post editorial board, Legacy Media Shield, Lake and Riley's alleged killer, and his enabler, Joe Biden. Uh, they go through all the crimes that he had committed and how he had been held, and they let him loose. So I thought about this yesterday. It is an outrageous story, and it is incredible how disinterested a lot of the mainstream media is in this story. Uh, people who are hearing it are, you know, it's going to be a voting, a voting issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was Absolutely. thinking about this yesterday. So the pushback on that is, well, why would you point that out? Illegal people here who are here illegally, I think they usually say immigrants so that they can lump legal with illegal together to get the statistics they want. But they say people who immigrate who come here as immigrants, whatever term they're going to use, um, commit crimes at a lower rate than U.S. citizens. So that's one of the arguments that they regularly use. It's an awful one, but yes. Yeah. And um, and then push back hard against, you know, blaming uh, this person in such a way that you would change the law. 
Compared to the gun issue, so if somebody gets killed, if there's a mass shooting, they always propose gun laws that wouldn't have stopped that crime. Right. And I've always thought that's so crazy. This is the exact opposite. We 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 could we we're proposing a law that would have stopped that girl from getting murdered in Georgia. We would have yes. had an effect on that very murder. So you're always proposing laws that wouldn't have anything to do with the crime that got the conversation going. We're proposing a law that would, or enforcing a law, that would have something to do with the crime, and you think it doesn't matter. That How, how weird is that? And to further drive home the point of how bizarre and unsupportable sanctuary laws are, if you are a tourist or a student or somebody who has followed immigration laws and you commit a crime, you're booted out immediately. It's only people who violate the law that get the special treatment of they get to stay. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.